1: Jerome, you will never dunk on Mount Mitombo. <laughs> Jerome
0: Williams got defended nicely by Lynch.
1: Gets the ball back and puts it through. Oh, spicy. Hey. Come on, then.
0: Hello. That's my I love it. Yes, sir. The dog pound is back in the building.
1: Does that mean I'm officially part of the dog pound now?
0: You are officially a part of the dog pound. You got the headband, the jersey. I love it. I got Williams and Vince Carter. And then the back, I feel like the dog pounds back
1: again. <laughs> Jerome, thank you so much for uh, coming on to the show. Aside from this guy behind me, you know, you're my favorite rap growing up because, you know, you're so passionate and energetic on the court. I don't know if you could tell uh, where, I, where I get it from. I tried to do that in my CYO, like, house league games too. You know, I would bark out the other team, and then my coach would be like, you can't bark at the other team. I'm like, why? JYD does it. And he's like, you're not JYD. I'm like, oh, all right, well, you know. <laughs> I mean, I didn't I didn't drive through any snowstorms for any of my games, though. I did go by one rule as a kid that I know you went by, too. And that's, uh, you know, don't let the ball hit the grass.
0: That's right. Don't <laughs> let the ball hit the grass. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man. So I, I, I got to ask, um, is it true that your parents promised you, with all the potential that you had, that if you did well in school, one day you'd be able to buy a Ferrari?
0: They did. They did tell me that. They did tell me, they promised me, they said, if you do well in school, you get A's and B's, you'll be able to get a Ferrari. And I was just like, man, I don't I don't see how that works, but I'll trust you, I'll try it, you know, and uh, I try to do better in school. They said, Jerome, if you get A's and B's, you know, if you get A's and B's, I guarantee you, they said, no, I, I, I promise you that you will be able to buy that Ferrari you know by the time you get finished with all your school
1: it's fair to say you know your parents were a lot of inspiration to you not just in your childhood but also like as you came into the nba and everything right um so i gotta ask uh, what it's what inspired you to get 20 rebounds off the bench
0: wow um well growing up my dad and uh my mom obviously got me connected with the church early on and you know, I was an altar server and I did a lot of uh, morning mass. So there's a lot of prayer going on uh, before school. And I think that was a that was a part of that 20 rebounds because um, the the inspiration really came from my dad. Like I saw the dedication in him taking me, you know, you know, basically to work every day at church um, in the mornings, 5 a.m. And then, um, that, that was for like 6 uh, six a.m. mass. And, you know, off the bench, you know, my dad used to give me all these kind of, uh, you know, crazy challenges. He'd say, hey, you get a double-double, and I, I'll drop and give you 200 push-ups. And, um, you know, or if I did something, he, he'd have to shave his head or do something, so. Um, I remember one time he was he was growing out his beard and he said, "Hey, it, I'm not cutting my hair until you get me 20 rebounds." And it was those kinds of inspirations that kind of led me to doing things and you know just going all out because it was it was almost like life or death. Like it was just <laughs> something passionate that I knew I had to do um, because I knew he didn't want he didn't want to grow his hair right. That was <laughs> he was trying to do. So I knew that that, like, you know, kind of irked my dad to have to do that. And then after the games, he'd, he'd be like, oh, he only got 18 rebounds. Look, I still got this beard. I got this hair. Help me out, son. And, <laughs> where, you know, some of that inspiration came from. He would just ask me to do things. And it would be a challenge. And, you know, if it was 19 and a half, he wouldn't, he wouldn't do it. It had to be the number that he said. So, Shout out to my dad, Johnny Williams Jr. <laughs> <laughs>
1: sometimes sometimes even if you have that like good work ethic, you know, a little bit of an incentive too, you know, just to, just to push you to that next level, right?
0: Push, just to push. I mean, my all of my teams, you know, from Detroit to Toronto to Chicago to New York, they used to love when my parents would come in town. They just knew they were just going to get the full extent of the dog <laughs> if they were there in person. So that was some good stuff back in the day.
1: I'll admit uh the only reason I found that out is because I'm a card guy and as you can see here, you know i got <laughs> I, I got I got this guy getting a rebound right here, probably one of his many in his career. so yeah. <laughs> what does this quote mean to you? the man that knows how will always have a job, the man that knows why will always be the boss.
0: man, it means so much to me, man. i I really respect the fact then that you do your homework and have great interviews because um, Coach John Thompson Jr. was—he uh, was a lifesaver. He's lifesaver to not only myself but many young black men um, in a way that is very unique um, to the outside world. Um, he was seen as this—you this, know—mythical figure of uh, racial equality and um, perseverance. Um, and really coming out of, you know, segregation and his family and then going on to be this iconic coach who won the first African-American national championship in basketball. But to us, the guys he recruited and the guys he led to in, you know inspire um, was was all about achievement in the classroom at a time when the players that he recruited, we all would get paid anywhere else, anywhere else that we went, um, we would we would have an opportunity to benefit from our name, image, and likeness, our NIL. And Coach Thompson was a catalyst for leading, basically, you know, um, elephants to the water hole. You know, you can lead an elephant to water, but you can't make them drink, right? and he was leading us all to the water. And, you know, um, I was, I was the one, I was one of his players that actually took a drink and was taking in everything that he was saying, um, even though it was coded. Cause like when you take a water, you take an elephant to water, you know, he might not drink just because he might not feel safe or he might, that might be out of his comfort zone. He's thirsty. Right. But he might not take that drink. Um, and, you, you do have to take those steps. And for me, it was all about education because as you could, you know, talked about earlier, that's what my parents had me had inspired me to do. And then when I didn't have any scholarship offers at six foot two, that led me straight back to my faith and trying to just like overcome the hurdles of not being able to pay for school. So when I got to six, nine, when I had to go out and get a job and work and, 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 and achieve my education through my hard work um, on and off the court. And then when Coach Thompson came and watched me play on the playground, that, that to me was like, you know, before I knew who he was, before I knew him personally, I saw him as this figure. But then the reality of who he actually was. Was a guy in the community, a guy who was was going to go find his players in the alleys, in the back hallways, uh, underneath the rocks. He would find diamonds in the rough, right? He would find, um, you know, and 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 to be one of his last finds um, in his career is a, is a huge blessing, you know, to come in and play with a guy like Allen Iverson. Um, who also was basically shunned away from all the other Division I top uh, colleges and universities uh, because of a crime he didn't commit, um, was a blessing. And Coach Thompson was a preacher of, you know, learning how to deal with life on your terms. And you can either, you know, be a guy that knows how to get a job and keep a job or you can dig a little bit deeper. And that code was really based on us trying to learn and educate ourselves and knowing there's a beginning and an end. So the beginning is learning the how part. And, you know, being in that situation where we were trying to get our education, that was part of the how, that was part of the first steps of of learning how And then there's other steps because then once you learn that, now you gotta learn the next step and the next step and the next step. So I remember when I first got to the NBA, how that impacted a lot of my decisions because when I was um, a offered by David Stern, the then commissioner um, to take on a rookie internship with the NBA, I took it. Why? Because I was learning how, right? But I wanted to know why. And then, when I got the opportunity to be on the, you know, the union, the, the union of the MBPA, I took that opportunity because I was learning how. And all of these things, from the MBA internship to working in the union, um, gave me a better understanding of what the MBA represented, how it operated, some of its internal workings, and then knowing how to basically build a dog pound so, you know, those are some things that, you know, all came from Coach Thompson. His teaching, right? His his philosophies, his ways, um, all, all wrapped into one couple with my parents, um, who, who were my rocks and my anchors, that that led me to, you know, bigger and brighter things.
1: Yeah, the, the quote, the the elephant anecdote you made reminds me so much of the quote that I like to live by. Um, if you give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. But if you teach a man a fish, he'll eat for the rest of his life. So, you know, uh, God, God bless uh, Coach Thompson.
0: There you go. Amen.
1: So, what can you tell me about the Kenner League championship game and who did you meet for the first time sitting on the bleachers in the gym?
0: <laughs> yeah, that guy, that guy, you know, go way back. You know, we were, we were roommates at Georgetown, um, and his name's Alan Iverson. This guy, <laughs> uh, I remember coming into the gym and coach letting me know, hey, did uh, you know, um, well, well, first coming into the gym and seeing uh uh this little short guy on the bench and sort of just, you know, he he was sort of just by himself uh in the gym, sitting down. I waved to him, he waved back and and I go upstairs to see coach and he says, Hey, did you see, did you see Alan downstairs? Say hello to him. And I said, Alan, Alan, who? He's like Alan Iverson. And I said, Alan Iverson downstairs. And he's like, you didn't see him when you came in. And I was like, no, I mean, I saw some little guy down there. He's like, that's Alan. I was like, that's Alan Iverson. The guy that's dunking from the foul line and doing, <laughs> you know, heroic, uh, like all-star NBA type things on the court. And he's like, yeah. so I was just, I just tilted my head and I was like, I got to see this, right? <laughs> I got it. So I go back down, reintroduce myself. Hey, Alan, what's happening? Okay. You know, look forward to playing with you tonight, right? Leave the gym. You know, go do my normal pregame rest or whatever I was doing. And then a um, few hours later, you know, because we always show up like, you know, hour and a half or what have you early to get a warm up. We had our back, uh, you know, our back gym behind McDonough, like where the fans were. We had a little gym in the back. where We get warmed up. So I'm like, all right, like get there. It's championship. You know, it's playoff time. I got to get it right. I show up to the gym. And the parking lot is full. There's a line outside. And I'm saying to myself, are they here to see me? (laughs) (laughs) i like, no, they're not here to see me. They're here to see Alan Iverson. I'm like, holy, I'm like, what in the world? Like, I mean, we had, you know, it was, we had good, good, uh, um, you know, fan base when I was playing that summer. And it did get pretty packed, but this was a different kind of pack because there wasn't a line outside, right? They, you know, the gym would get packed as we would play, but um, this was different. And I knew it was different. So that first game, I'm, like, kind of, like, really excited. Like, I'm excited for him. I'm like, dang, you know, um, he hasn't played in – like two years hasn't even played basketball right so i'm like man he's gonna be a little rusty a i mean b there's a lot of people here um now i've been averaging like 25 and 15 right but i'm like but uh i want to see you know what he can do and man from the opening tip the first play Right, he tips the ball. I, we tip the ball. Allen gets it, and the crowd just starts this Whoa. like it's like this build up. And he literally takes two dribbles and takes, like, you know, from now we call it the logo shot, like where somebody is touching part of the logo in the center of the court. He pulls up at the logo spot. And, like, the crowd goes, whoa, and the ball goes in and out and comes out, right? And they're like, oh. And I'm like, oh, he pulled up from the loop. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa wait a minute. I'm, I'm like, inside, I'm saying to myself, whoa, whoa what are we doing? What, what am I missing, right? What am I missing? Does he normally make these shots? So we come down, we play defense, blah, blah, blah. blah. I get the rebound, right? And normally, I mean, I'm like point guards. So I normally I just take it and go and do what I do. I said, "Hmm, here you go, Allen." <laughs> <I, laughs> right. Again, the crowd gets into this. Whoa! He come down, pulls up from the same spot. Cash. Yeah, like it was like, and, and I was in there like, "Oh, this is this is where he shoot from." I was like, "Oh, we're gonna." I was just sitting there. I was like. Big smile came on my face. I'm like, oh, we're going to be good, right? And then he he begins to just do his things, throwing no-look passes, underhands, it's, you know, Jim's going crazy, shooting threes, pulling up from the parking lot, baseline shots, mid-range, dunks down the middle. Like, it, it was insane. When I say insane, it was insane. Shout out to my brother, Bubba Chuck. Allen Iverson. He's the GOAT, right? He is the top 75 player in the NBA, <laughs> pound for pound, the number one baddest dude on the plane. You,
1: you never forget those moments when you see like one of the greats really perform for the first time and be like, oh, this guy's this guy's good at basketball. Like, oh, all right, all right. right. He different. He different. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yo, he did, he built different. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, you know, AI obviously wasn't the only one who made it to the NBA. With the 26th pick in the 1996 NBA draft, the Detroit Pistons select Jerome Williams from Georgetown University. <laughs> back, you know, back in the days when you had to earn your nicknames, you know, not now these players nowadays they just give themselves nicknames, and I feel like. That only works if your nickname is the Black Mamba. That's the only time that works when you give yourself your own nickname. But for the most part, you have to earn it. And you earned it from Rick Mahorn and Grant Long, you know, chained to the bench, ferocious. When the coach took the chain off, it was like unchaining a dog. So I got to ask Jerome, uh, what can you tell me about Rick Mahorn, a pack of cigarettes and a box of donuts?
0: (laughs) Man, I can tell you a lot about about that um you know shout out to rick grant long uh and and even if you read coach thompson's book he said he he actually gave me the nickname the junkyard dog so i'm gonna give a shout out to coach too <laughs> for that um man i remember my rookie year um in the nba there you know back in the day there were initiatives um initiations and basically all it was was simply you know is this um Player coming in, um, is he coachable? Will he listen? Uh, is is he respectful? Meaning respectful of not only the game, but now this new world and fraternity that I entered into. And how you show respect is to listen to basically your co-workers, right? Because your co-workers in any workplace can make your life easy or make your life hard. And depending on the viewpoint of the boss, you know, your coworkers can really assist you in moving up the ladder. So the initiation is something simple uh, for a rookie to do in in the eyes of the veterans. But if he's not willing to do it, they're not going to be willing to give him any assistance or help with his job. So it was simply Rick Mahorn asked me, hey, Rook, I need you to get me a pack of cool cigarettes and a box of donuts and bring them to practice tomorrow. Um, and and I had a I had a you know basically an option for me being an MBA professional to say yes or no. I'm not doing that. And my answer was yes. Um, so when I when I got out of practice, I'm like, well, cool, I'll pick up the donuts in the morning. I know where to get the donuts, but these cool cigarettes. Like, oh, where do I get those? And why does he even smoke? (laughs) But anyways, all right, I don't care. I go hunting around for these cigarettes, right? And I live in like, you know, out out near the palace, you know, where sort of suburb life. And I'm like, there's no cool cigarettes out here. Been to like five gas stations. No, we don't sell those. No, we don't sell those. I'm like, where do I get them? They're like, oh, you got to go down seven mile. I'm like, seven mile? It's like 30 minutes away it's in the hood like oh man so i gotta go down i drove all the way down to seven mile oh, man sure enough get into a liquor store down there got any cool cigarettes yeah what kind like menthol? like you know <laughs> like <menthol. laughs> cool cigarettes right he didn't really specify i was like give give me the most popular right so they gave me some cool cigarettes and uh next morning i show up to practice got the box of donuts I hand him to Rick. He's like, you got my cigarettes. I'm like, yeah. And then I hand him my hand him the cool pack of cigarettes. He looks at him. He's like, good job, Rook. And I'm like, Rick, you smoke? He's like, man, I don't smoke. On, <laughs> like, what the heck you get me? How do you get Rick, you know, cigarettes for? And he was like, Rook, you passed the test, you know, uh, anything, anything you need, uh, you know, everybody's got to go through me. And basically that was the, that was the the eye of me learning. Man, now I basically have an older brother, you know, for life. And in terms of, um you know, what he was willing to do for me, how he was willing to, you know, teach me, take take me under his wing. He told me, he said, Jerome, you're gonna have a long career as long as you, you know, listen to what I'm saying. And you know, in hindsight, those were very powerful words. Those were very powerful. Um, you know, uh, uh, viewpoints and, and tutelage points that really made a difference in my career, um, from him taking the time to, you know, as he was on his way out to pour into somebody on their way in.
1: That, that, that's incredible. Did you, did you, uh, pass that knowledge on down to any of your rooks, uh, uh, once you got later into your career?
0: Oh, absolutely. You know, one of my rooks, um, uh, Trevor Reza. Mm. Still in the nba today it's just pouring into him letting him know you know how to be a professional how to stay in the league for the for for a long time right now right still playing with the lakers so that was back in you know 0405 when he was drafted to the new york knicks you know now he's in his what 17th year
1: yeah, that's crazy
0: I, that's 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 the kind of career that you can have when you listen to veterans, um, and and you're you're willing to, you know, do what it takes to, you know, basically, stay in this league. That's the hardest league to to, to keep a job.
1: I want to move into your time after Detroit, of course, but uh, in order for me to. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Dude, I have to ask uh, one question about a specific game uh, with Georgetown. Uh, Georgetown versus Memphis. George Butler hits a buzzer beater to send it to overtime. What's the significance of that game?
0: Man, it's significance, man. First of all, that was my first trip to Toronto. That was my first trip to Canada that was very significant i had never been outside of the country um and you know for a young african american such as myself that was a big deal um i thought we were going to be on an 8 hour flight literally i thought we were going to be on an 8 hour flight um to toronto i didn't know where toronto canada was when you say canada to a kid in you know washington dc area you're like you're talking about almost like mars um we get to Toronto in like an hour and like 20 minutes. You know, and I'm like, whoa, that's that wasn't that bad. <laughs> um wasn't that bad a flight, you know, like, whoa, you know, we're here that we're in another country. And obviously you gotta go through customs and everything else. Significant of that was me, you know, I still have in my office right now um a signed uh Canadian two dollar bill. <laughs> no way. They, If loonies back in the day they gave two dollar bills and uh it's uh it's somewhere in here Uh, another day i may have had to pull that out Mm -hmm. but but basically um alan iverson signed it myself all the starters othello harrington don reed all you know nba draft picks uh jahadi white signed and you know that was significant like because it was like you know we had this you know, our per diem, which was like, I don't know, 20, 30 bucks at the time. And when we exchanged it into Canadian dollars, we got like 50 bucks back. We were like, what? We're rich, (laughs) you know? Um, But that game, it was an awesome game, sold out. The fans there in Canada were going crazy. Uh, You know, it was a play where um, the score was, we're, we're down, we're down three. And it's like uh, one of the players, I don't know, gets fouled and somehow we get the ball, but there was like, almost like zero to one second on the clock. Right. And I'm like, Oh man, either Kane to Canada, we're going to, you know, lose the Memphis coach comes to the, comes to the thing. He said, don't worry about this. We got this. You know, I'm drawing up this play, right? I'm so drawing up this play for George to catch it in the corner, but I'm still thinking to myself, "This is going to be a tough shot. There's only one second on the clock, right?" And uh, by the time we come out the timeout, um, you know, it's still like, you know, kind of like, you know, there's some things going on with the scores table, and I noticed that, you know, Coach Thompson had made his way after he drew it up back to the the table and next thing i know there's three seconds on the clock and we're like oh shoot there's three that's plenty of time for george pull this off right he's got to get a good pass and i mean literally like the play is drawn up perfectly we run the execution george catches it fades away in the corner and it's like nothing but net the toronto fans are going crazy and we're going crazy because we're like, oh, it's going into overtime and going to overtime. We smoke Memphis and like uh win. And it was like, wow, that was also like our toughest game of the year so far. And you know, we win and everybody's everybody's trying to figure out how we got started with one second and ended up with three. <laughs> <laughs> but something must have happened with, you know, the Canadian pushing the button. And- <laughs> coach negotiating, hey, he didn't push the button fast enough. It was some time left on the clock and we got three seconds, which we needed and we uh got away with the win. <laughs> <laughs> that
1: was kind of like a preview of like, oh, oh it's hype up here in Toronto. Little did you know at the time, of course, right? <laughs>
0: That's right. Little did I know. That was uh that was that, that 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 gave me that warm fuzzy feeling about Toronto. Like you know go up there oh. and look like oh my gosh I never oh. want to come back again. You go up there and be the right team and you know you have you know some some buzzer beater type stuff. You know. <laughs> love Toronto, <I> love
1: <laughs> and uh one of your one of your most iconic moments with the Raptors is uh, excuse me, I might butcher this uh this impersonation here, but Jerome, you will never dunk on Mount Mitombo.
0: <laughs> Jerome Williams defended nicely by Lynch gets the ball back and hooks it through. Well executed. Vince Carter to Jerome Williams and the foul. Billy got caught. He's off this is give and go. Watch what happens. Nobody's guarding Williams. Two guys went with the cutter. And what happens? Open, wide open, and the rotation was late. So they love Jyd Junkyard Dog and Jerome
1: Williams, easily a fan favorite. Here's another look. And this is just a nice give and go situation. <laughs> Obviously, one of the one of the nastiest dunks I've ever seen. Um, but I don't I don't, I don't, I, don't want, I don't want to talk about you know Mount Matumba. I want to I want to. Talk, you never you never dunked on Hakeem Olajuwon, did you?
0: Uh, only in practice. No, I didn't dunk on him in the game. He was. He was one of the guys, one of the centers that got away uh, because when I got in the league, he was injured a lot and we'd all, he'd always miss the game when we played. But I did dunk on some of his other Houston centers. So, uh, <laughs> shout out to Kevin Cato. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah, you, so you never dunked on him in game, but, but he did beat you in bowling, yeah? He did, man, that dude, <laughs> the oh my gosh. Right. Uh, the game over, the game over, that's,
0: that's baby. Good. Uh shout out to the Dream man, Dream Shaker. He, he's the best. Um he <laughs> we go out um, and do things after practice or, you know, on our off time. And one time he invited me to bowl with him. And man, this guy was throwing strike after strike. I'm like, good Lord. I was like, I got to work on my spin game or something. He's really good. You know, reminds me of Chris Paul. Like, Chris Paul is really good at uh, bowling and ping pong and all these other sports. Like, I'm like, I don't know how these guys do it. I only had time for that. <laughs>
1: I was uh, I was talking to Chuck Sorski a little while back, and apparently DeMar DeRozan's are really good at bowling too.
0: hmm But you you know, those shooters is something about they can, you know, shoot and kind of spin Make the it. ball. <laughs> Vince was good at bowling too. Really, eh? Yeah, he was good at bowling.
1: Vince Carter knocks down pins as effortlessly as he knocks down shots. Try right, riding the bike. Who on the current Raptors do you feel best exemplifies what it means to be a junkyard dog? I know you said Pascal Siakam in the past, but with this new team, I was wondering if there's anyone on the, on the current roster that fits that mold,
0: man, that new rookie, we have Scotty Barnes, man, Mr. (laughs) That's
1: what I was thinking too. Like he,
0: he really epitomized junkyard dog action. Scotty, he's got some game. And I mean, I went and watched him, uh, out here in Vegas during the summer league, we had that. I had to have a chat with Mr. Barnes after the game. I told him, I said, "If you can continue this this type of play um, and this type of tenacity," he was picking up full court. I loved it. Like he was doing some junkyard dog action work, mm-hmm. and his defense, his length, um, the way he runs the floor, the way he was uh, getting the ball to his teammates um, definitely remind me of myself. Uh, And being that like sort of like that unknown underdog, like he's not heralded. He's not a guy that people are like, oh, you know, uh, Scotty Barnes, Scotty Barnes. But then when you get out there and you start looking up at the board and you see rebounds, assists, points, um, he's all over the place, all over the court, he can play.
1: And the and the biggest thing too, I know. Aside from his game, is that you know his energy, right? Like after his teammates will do like so, some kind of play, you'll he'll be the one like clapping and screaming, like getting them all pumped up. And then in my mind, I'm just thinking, you know what? It's like it's almost like he's barking, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. You got to <laughs> put the. I mean, after the game, he's back in the back, he's dancing. So I started doing some dances with him. I started shaking a little bit. <laughs> I, was like, hey, hey, I Like your flow, man. Yeah, we gotta give him a dog pound nickname. He gotta get That's something bowled up, man. They, they, <laughs> Scotty Barnes, dog pounds, Doc, you know, dog Scotty or something.
1: <laughs> uh Jyd, this is this has been fun. I just want to close out with a couple more questions. Um, this one, this one being the one I've I, I've kind of been looking forward to, to asking you. But uh, what can you tell me about co-hosting a late night wrestling talk show with Tracy Murray?
0: Oh man, I can tell you that. You know, we had a lot of fun. That was back in the heyday with The Rock and Hulk Hogan being some of our favorite uh, wrestlers back in the day. Used to love doing that with uh, with Tracy. He he's such a big, huge uh, wrestling fan. And you know, whenever I come in, you know WWE stadiums back in the day, you know we hear those dog pound chants. You know, JYD getting the ring. So it was great. It was great. The jabroni nine. <laughs> Pie eating trailblazing eyebrow raisin stronger than a bear, faster than a buck, the biggest thing to hit Canada because the maple leaf suck. Oh. Oh,
1: man. Brief.
0: Like he's challenging. Oh yeah. Look
1: at this guy. You even refereed a match one time, didn't you?
0: That's right. I put the referee hat on. uh, uh it, it was it was a lot of fun. Um it, you know. It was a girls match, but it, it was it was it was labeled as, you know, as one of the greatest matches, obviously, that a referee has ever had. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mess up. I, I <laughs> The winner who won came out on top, you know,
1: is Trish Stratus, right? Because she's from Tristratus. Toronto. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I give you a couple like this or that. Um, Brussels sprouts with a 32 ounce porterhouse steak or barbecue ribs.
0: Oh man, that's tough. I'm gonna take the steak though. That's my game. That's my game. You know, but the, the ribs is, I can't eat those on game day, but I definitely goes those down. I've chosen as my game day meal, comfort food. I wanted to be comforted before I went into battle. The Brussels sprouts with Porterhouse 32 ounce, gives you everything. Great compliment it. to the meal, absolutely. What's
1: your secret to cooking the best barbecue ribs?
0: Hey, man, it's all about the marination. You got to have them in temperature of water for the right amount of time.
1: You have to start, bench, or cut these three. Uh, DMX, Cardi B, and Taylor Swift.
0: Oh, shoot. I'm starting DMX. Oh, man. I am going to bench Taylor Swift. And I got to cut Cardi B. <laughs> it's unfortunate because, you know, that you only give me three choices. And, you know, DMX, he's got to start because he's the dog pound. Mm-hmm. And Taylor Swift wore my jersey in New York at a game. So I can never, like, the worst <laughs> thing I could do is put her on the bench. That's the worst. <laughs> and Party B, I did meet at Big Three event. Um, but she didn't have it on my jersey,
1: so, <laughs> so she's gonna cut because of that. <laughs> I, I
0: I can only cut her because that. Because if not, if she wore my jersey and, and hold on, wait a minute, and DMX right. wore my jersey on stage at a concert in Detroit.
1: Oh, that's crazy.
0: And had me in his locker room. So like, I, th- there's reasons for. It. There's levels to this, right? So <laughs> it's it's not based on music, Cardi. Cardi, I love you, but it's not. <laughs> Based on your music, it's only based on whether or not you rocking a dog pound jersey ever in life. And since those two did, I cannot cut them.
1: <laughs> I, I can't I, do <laughs> it. <laughs> you can only drive one car for the rest of your life. What is it? And why is it a 64 Impala?
0: Mm. Well, shoot, if I can only drive one, it's going to be my 62 Lincoln Con. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> the 6'4", that's, you know, it's got too much action. You know, it's got the hydraulics. And I can't, I can't rock with that for the rest of my life. But that's 62, right? It's got the right air suspension. It's got the, you know, it's got, the, you know, pull back seats. I can stretch my legs out. I can drop the top. And I can get my kids and my wife in the car at the same time. Oh, oh,
1: that's fair. That's fair. See, I had a bet with myself. I'm like, okay, I'm either gonna sound really smart because I know it's either the impala or the continental. And I was like, okay, I gotta pick one. And then if I pick the right one, I'm gonna look like a genius. And I was like, okay, okay, I'm gonna go with the Impala. But then I'm like, oh no. But you know, you, you, you can't, you can't, you can't hit all home runs, right? But
0: that's right. Cause I had to give a shout out to Snoop Dogg at Ice Cube. Those are the ones who got me even wanting the Impala because iconic Ice Cube um, in the movie, uh, man, um, Boys boys in the Hood. And then you got Snoop Dogg with all the videos with Dr. Dre. Um, and then also, you know, give me a shout out on stage when he was in. And then Snoop obviously coming to Toronto and playing in my game you know, a celebrity basketball game. That was, that was, that was, that was dope.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, JYD, this is Paul. I got one last question for you. I know we're both men of faith here. Uh, One of my favorite Bible verses is uh, Psalm 37, 21, you know, the righteous give generously. And you're the first NBA player to do his own in-season after-school program, City of Detroit, three NBA Community Ambassador Awards, first sports ambassador to China, mission trip to South Africa, Philippines, shout out, you know, Israel, India, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, And of course, you have Philippians 4.13 in, in your bio on both Twitter and Instagram. How is Christ currently strengthening you?
0: Wow, man, he's he's strengthening me every day. Um, basically, to carry on the legacy of people like Coach Thompson um, in ways of you know helping the next generation. You know, in the forms of scholarships through our Shooting for Peace program, um, that's given out over ten million dollars to HBCUs through their academic uh, scholarship outreach. Um, to working on my IP Famba. Um, which is giving kids an intellectual property score that helps them with their NIL to get into school. It's a pathway to education and it's a pathway to getting sponsored dollars and paid by their name, image, and likeness. And I think that's really how Christ is helping me um, right now is just through the youth, through trying to help and engage the same way I was helped. You know, I was uh, uh, one of those, you know, diamonds in the rough. And there's so many out there um, that look like me. Um, And, you know, whether you look like me or you don't look like me, I'm here to try to help and assist um, because, you know, it really changed my life. You know, you sit here, you see these jerseys over my shoulders and it's like, hey, I did that and I appreciate you having my jersey in your office, and 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 that means the world to me because I know that that meant something to you. You're rocking the headband, you're in the dog pound. So what I wanna do is make sure that through Christ, I'm doing the same thing, is giving um, other people some inspiration, giving some other people some opportunity, and that's what it's all about. Shooting for Peace, um, IP Bomba, NIL, Alumni Pros, Global Sports, that's what
1: we do amen to that jyd and you know this has been this has been a fun conversation that you know we started this we started this podcast with a dog pound bark i feel like we should end it with a dog pound bark. what do you say
0: hey definitely i'm gonna give you the dog pound bark. but make sure i want all the people listening to this to go up and uh sign up for ipfamba.com i p f a m b a famba and that way you get your IP score and the dog pounds getting ready to be over and out with Ben Carlos.
1: <coughs>
0: Yahoo Sports. Let's get it. <laughs> a lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chat bot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times.